This is Deacon Mary, and I'm so glad you've tuned into the Grace Church Podcast. I think that because you tuned in, you will better understand your place in God's kingdom. At Grace Church, we are living out our ancient faith in modern times, and we believe that these next few minutes will draw you closer to Jesus. To find out more about what's going on at Grace, visit us at graceocala.org. Thank you, Father Jonathan, for the invite, for sharing the pulpit with me. Thank you, Grace Ocala. Um, It's been a blessing since I arrived yesterday. Um, Got a tour of the beautiful campus. Got to spend some special time with the French family celebrating a special 16th birthday for Addie. And the conversation around the dinner table was wonderful. It spanned from politics to school clubs to television shows. It was a wonderful time. I won't tell anybody all of your different political views. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, one way to uh, draw attention to yourself in society is to become a priest and wear a collar out in public when you have a lot of tattoos on your arms and hands. Um, eyebrows are raised, but uh, it makes for good elevator conversation. Well, as you can guess, there is a story there. and. Um, Initially, part of the reason why I began to get tattoos on my arms when I was about 18 years old is because I wanted to be affiliated with a certain crowd. I wanted to, I really at this point rejected my parents' Christian faith and I really wanted to find a place to fit in and I won't tell you the whole story because it will keep you here all day. But one of the reasons was an identity issue. I wanted to have an identity with a certain group or a certain kind of people. And so I began to get tattoos and I grew my hair really long and dyed it black. And I listened to a certain kind of music and did certain uh, things to be a part of a group to have an identity. Now, this is actually kind of a universal um, human thing. And if you ask yourself and you, and you are honest and you look long and hard enough, you will find that there are things and people in your life which you're really tempted to invest your identity in. It could be a job position or uh, a political party. It could be a people group. It could be a flashy car. Um, but it's a universal human issue because our hearts desire to belong. Now, for Christians, there's a, there's a caution here because while we, of course, want to align ourselves with certain political parties and we want to, we want to be involved with certain social groups and be known about certain things, um, there's a temptation to overinvest our identities in things, in possessions, in people that are not Jesus. There's a temptation. Um, the good news is, is that this sort of thing's been going on since the beginning. Um, and the Holy Word of God has a, a, a word to speak to the problem. Um, 2,000 years ago in the church in Corinth, this was the problem, at least in this chapter of Corinthians. If you read through the letters of, of Paul to the Corinthians, um, each, each chapter is like a new soap opera episode. There's a new drama unfolding. This church was particularly problematic. Um, this issue of inordinate, inordinate attachment, let's call it, to something other than Jesus, is plaguing the Corinthian church. And so Paul uh, opens this email from Chloe, who's of course now infamously known as a tattletale, but the subject line says, Trouble in Corinth. 
And the Apostle Paul, after all he's been going through this church, has to be thinking, what could it possibly be this time? And Paul reads what Chloe tells him is going on. There's these people dividing into different groups based on who's baptized them, and then fighting about, like, who's the coolest. Sounds really elementary, doesn't it? Now, Paul, clearly, when you read his response, he's blown off some steam. He's railed on the punching bag for a little while and kind of cooled off a little bit. And he articulates a pastoral response. Um, But he doesn't pull any punches because this is a very serious issue. This is a very serious issue. So uh, this is what's happening. People have been dividing into groups based on baptized and who they thought was the most wise whose name or title could, 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 could get them affiliated with wisdom and prestige. Some are saying that they follow Paul, and some are saying that they belong to Apollos. He was another pretty popular church leader, teacher in the early days. And some Peter. And then one group says, oh, you guys belong to Paul? Well, that's nice. Oh, you, you guys have belonged to Apollos? Oh, that's really great. Oh, you belong to Peter? That's cool. Well, guess what? We belong to Christ. Boom. Top that. Right? And so, so, so Chloe sends a message to Paul, and she says, this, this, this is the nonsense that's going on now. And Paul writes back, and he says this, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Okay, we have to pause and stop right there in the passage and zoom in on this question. Was Paul crucified for you? Paul is underlining this and scribbling highlighter all over. If there's one thing that he wants this group his readers and his listeners to to hear and to see, it's this question. Was Paul crucified for you? Why does he want them to see, to ask themselves this question? There's a little bit of, uh, I think, sarcasm going on in the question, but it actually is a question that very cuts directly to the point that he wants to make. You guys are attaching yourselves to certain names instead of realizing that you are the body of Christ for whom Jesus went to the cross to die to give your identity. And here you are trying to find an identity in something else. So here's why this was maybe happening in Corinth in the ancient days. Um, One of the things about this sort of Greco-Roman culture that you could do to gain influence or to gain prestige was to attach your name to a wise sophist. These are like street philosophers who are um, valued based on their oratory skill, their rhetorical skills, their uh, intellectual prowess. And so if you wanted to be known at a church or school or uh, wherever, the job or the local pub, you wanted your name to be known, um, you attached your name to the wisest teacher, the wisest sophist. So whether his name was Socrates or Democritus or Acacius, you affiliated yourself with that person to be seen as a person affiliated with prestige. Now this little cultural thing has seemed to 
leak into the Christian church at Corinth. This is the issue that Paul is dealing with. You see, people and people groups are, are, are one of the things that we invest our identities in as a way of being known. We want people to think of us in a certain light, we, so we attach ourselves to names or people groups. In our day and culture, this is probably most glaringly obvious during political seasons, in which we are still kind of in the midst of, right? The inauguration just happening days ago. But what we do is we align ourselves with a particular uh, political party, and we slap bumper stickers on our car, and we put uh, signs in our yard, because we want the other guys to know which party we're aligned with. The right one, right? And now, of course, there's nothing inherently sinful about aligning yourself with a political party, putting signs up in your yard, but for Christians, there is a temptation to invest our identities, to over-invest our identities in these alignments. It's a perpetual temptation to align ourselves with people, to over-invest ourselves in people, people groups or possessions. And that's the problem at Corinth. People are investing their identities in something other than Jesus, and it is causing destruction in the community. Now, listen to how Paul addresses the issue. I love how he deals with this. He, he, if you think leaders are perfectly gentle and soft and, um, and, and kind of beat around the bush sort of people, uh, listen to how Paul cor- corrects the Corinthians. Was Paul crucified for you? Was Paul, were you baptized into the name of Paul? You see, there's so much power behind his sarcasm and his snark because it gets right to the cross. It gets right to the cross. And here's why Paul is making this point. Because when a person who has been absolutely and utterly redeemed by the cross of Jesus Christ, that person has been given a new identity. The person has been given ultimate worth. You and I, because of the cross, have been given the most full and complete identity, the most full worth that we could possibly give him. Because we are, as St. John says, called beloved children of God. But it's a human temptation, continually, even for us Christians, to try and identify ourselves or to become known for certain people or things that we think will add something to our identity. We think we can possibly build on it or add to our self-worth. It's a temptation for all of us. Was Paul crucified for you? Insert anything. And I think Paul would would allow me a, a certain amount of liberty here. You could insert anything where it says Paul in your life that is a temptation where you're over invested. Was your flashy car crucified for you? Were your tattoos and your tattooed friends crucified for you? Was the music you listened to crucified for you? Was your favorite political candidate crucified for you? There's so much power in that question because it is crucicentric. It is cross-focused. And Paul is saying, in essence, Jesus died so that you could belong to God, so that you could have the fullest identity you could ever imagine. And when you start aligning yourselves and wanting to be known for something instead of the cross, but wanting to be known for who you're aligned with based on their earthly wisdom, you're like saying the cross isn't complete. 
It's not, the work of the cross isn't complete. And so it's a serious issue. We're always trying to make an identity for ourselves. It's, it's human. It's human. We're supposed to. God made us with desires to be known and to be loved. But what happens when we build our identity on anything other than God, on Jesus and his cross, it's going to lead to disappointment. Because if your identity is over-invested in temporal things, and you start to derive your worth and value from them, they are going to fail you, whether they are political candidates, or stuff, boats, cars, money. All of those things are going to fail you at some point. And Paul is pointing to the cross and saying, if you derive your identity from there, it's never going to fail because he's never going to fail you. Now, there's nothing wrong with being associated with certain political parties and having nice things, right? But the, the, the temptation for Christians is to get our loves disordered and to start letting those things get higher on the ladder of our loves than Jesus. So how can we live more fully into our identity as God's beloved children? That's what I want to ask. What can we do about the problem of temptations in our lives to overinvest our identity elsewhere? And this practice might look different for everybody, but here's a practical suggestion that I have that works for me, and that is to set apart time, maybe weekly, maybe monthly, maybe at least yearly, and go before the Lord and say, Lord, what are the most important things in my life right now to me? Now, I know some of you are instantly thinking, I'm going to write down, I'm, I'm going to make a list, I'm going to write down God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, church, prayer. No need, no need to be pious. No need to be pious in this exercise. Let's be <coughs> honest. Come before the Lord and say, reveal to me the, the earthly things that are the most important to me. And show me if my identity is overinvested in these things. If I need to rethink their role in my life. Or maybe I need to have, be completely severed from them. Because I'm in danger of forgetting that my identity is in the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's going to happen. Because <laughs> it happens every time I sit down to do this. The Holy Spirit's going to bring things to mind that he wants to make you rethink their role in your life. And you're going to go, oh, no, that's just, well, I don't know where that's coming from. I'm, it's actually, I've, I've got something better. <laughs> don't do that. Let the Holy Spirit move those things to the forefront of your mind. Because he wants to do work through that and ask the Lord who loves you and who wants what's best for you, who's given you the fullest identity you can, if these things have become too much a part of your identity, it won't be easy. It won't be easy. But imagine, imagine what would happen if Christians everywhere started doing something like this started constantly reevaluating the role of the cross in their lives, the role that the cross plays in their identity. What if Christians everywhere started making sure that the things in their life were placed in proper order and that their identity as a beloved child of God who was sent out into the world to proclaim that message was always at the top of the list? Imagine what might happen. We'd probably be more loving, maybe more patient, more may, maybe more eager to serve, maybe more eager to tell other people where they can find a real identity, who knows what might happen. 
But it starts small. It starts right here at Grace Ocala. It starts at Good Shepherd and Maitland where I am. It starts in our individual lives. It starts by asking, what in my life is draining the cross of its power, as Paul says? I didn't come to you with eloquent words of wisdom. I came with power so that the cross, preaching the cross, so that the cross wouldn't be drained of its power. Because when we, identi- when we over-invest our identities in anything other than the cross, it drains the cross of its power in our lives. So it starts right here with you and I asking these difficult questions. Asking, what is the role of the cross in my life? Who am I in Jesus? The whole movement of Christianity started with a simple few fishermen who no doubt that was their identity at some level. When Jesus came along, said, follow me. And they found him so compelling and so appealing that they just dropped their nets mid-fish and followed him. They left family behind and went on, many of them, to lose their lives for it. So what if small groups of Christians everywhere, started seeing to it that their identities were shaped solely by God's love on the cross, by God's self-giving love. Here's what I think might happen. We might look out on the world. We might look and see, especially in younger generations, you might look out on the world and see people trying to build an identity for themselves on a foundation that is sinking sand. You might look out and see a young Cameron McMillan trying to belong by um, getting tattoos and listening to certain music and running with a certain crowd. And it might break your heart. Because you know, because of the role that it plays in your own life, that there is a foundation that is so much more solid and so much more sure that will not fail you. A foundation where you can get a complete and whole new identity as a beloved child of God. And maybe we would start wanting, because of our hearts being so broken for our culture, to invite others to come and find their identity in the crucified Lord. Amen. We are so glad you joined us on our podcast today. We hope that you will take what you've heard and share it with your community. If you'd like to learn more about our church community, Find us on Facebook, on Instagram, or online at graceocala.org. Go in peace.